The world of marketing is ever-changing and can be confusing, frustrating, and outright exhausting. Welcome to Unbottling, the marketing podcast where experts share their experiences, stories, and best practices on online and internet marketing. Featuring Steve Wiedemann, former marketer for Disney, Skechers, and other well-known brands. Break through the hype with real marketing tips from industry leaders. This is Unbottleneck. Hey, this is Steve Wiedemann, and welcome to another Unbottleneck podcast. Today, we have a link-building expert, B.B. Raven, who's with us today. She was a social media marketer for a worldwide truck trader for six years. And one day, six years ago, she decided to Google how to make money online and became an affiliate marketer um, and a growth hacker, apparently. She's from Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> Amsterdam. And Bibi, tell us more about uh, how you got started in link building. Yeah, so... Um... I don't know where I put that word growth hacker. I thought it was it was probably a buzzword that I just <laughs> put somewhere. But um, uh, yeah, I was working as a social media marketer and uh, it was going well, but I really wanted to start for myself and make my own money, you know, because I was I was bringing in these leads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was bringing leads and then people were, ma- were making tons of it. You know, you, you can imagine how that a fleet of big trucks is worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started Googling like how to make money online and I found Pat Flynn and authority hackers. Um, authority hacker, that's the word we're looking for. Yes, that authority hackers is actually, it's from uh, two guys, Gail Breton and uh, Mark Webster. Okay. Uh, and actually friends now. I, I'm in their um, New Year's uh, prediction. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's so, it's so bizarre. But anyway, so... I started uh, following their stuff and then I found this uh, place where you could learn how to build affiliate sites uh, and it was no head digital. And there was an internship that you could do, which I, I started. Um, I didn't know I was doing SEO. I thought I was just building sites and uh, uh, promoting them and getting money. And I was really good at promoting the sites. I would get a lot of traffic. So I had one site, I think it got almost like, 80,000 a month or something in traffic. Mm-hmm. And I earned about, I don't know, $500. <laughs> I was really bad at monetization. I, I, I think I, I'm still really bad at it. But I formed a little mastermind group uh, called Plan A, and they were all building affiliate sites and they were oh. more difficult. Uh, Plan A. Plan A. Oh my God. I was just like, uh, screw bl- Plan B. Let's just. Yeah, make- yeah. you don't want to call it plan b not in the u.s anyway <laughs> no yes <laughs> so um uh yeah and, and they were building sites and making money off it but they needed the links but i hated to deal with people and they mm. asked me to do link building for them and they would pay me per link and i thought like oh that's way easier so that's how i started the link building that's amazing and and what's it like right now in amsterdam is it uh is it cold uh, it's raining. It's actually not super cold. I think global warming uh, kind of happens, so it doesn't feel like winter at all. Uh, but it is very rainy, so there's not much to do. And we have our third lockdown. Um, we don't have any school. So the kids, uh, there were a lot of kids at my house the last couple of days, and they're all preteens and screaming and making jokes, horrible jokes. <laughs> We we had the same thing last night. They had a little uh, friends mus 
party, right? Like Christmas, but Friendsmas. And so they had three friends over and no one had fevers or anything. So we, you know, we had a little, little get together and gave away gifts. And it was nice for the first time in months, the kids actually being able to be together and not just on a Zoom or whatever, but such strange, strange times we're going through. But for digital marketers, it's, it's sort of like um, a flood of business because a lot of, you know, a yeah. lot of these brick and mortar businesses who never cared or needed the internet because there was so much word of mouth for them, you know, suddenly needed the, the business, especially for those folks that just stopped patronizing altogether. So it's uh, it's definitely interesting, but hey, at least at least we've heard that the the vaccines going out around the world, and yeah. you know, hopefully by the end of next year, you know, we're we're going to be back to a place that feels closer to 2019, right? And uh, I don't know, we'll see how it goes. But a lot of our clients, actually, off the topic of link building, are are sort of holding us accountable to sustaining the online presence, even when people start to go back into restaurants and to to their businesses, they want us to help keep a lot of it online because it's it's easier to track and manage and um, and it can double up the growth from you know what people have offline and online. So our, our challenge for 2021, I think as a as an SEO consultancy is to help help our clients you know maintain some of that online traffic that they didn't have before the pandemic started. So kind of interesting. Well, hey, let's take a step back for a second. We, we keep talking about links and building links. Um, I guess the, the, the big question, in your opinion anyway, what is link building? Okay, so um, I'm not sure if this is the best metaphor, but um, imagine you're in a room and you have back pain, right? And you're complaining to your friend that you have back pain. And then you ask a group of people that you're you're talking to like uh, who should i go to for back pain or what should i do when i have back pain mm -hmm. and then somebody says oh yeah um i read this book it's great you know it's just all these steps to get rid of your back pain and somebody else says oh uh there's actually a chiropractor in this room he's there and he points to the guy mm -hmm. um, and so everybody's giving all these tips um but if there's somebody in the room that can help and that actually gives good advice mm -hmm. uh, more people will point to that person Right. So uh, and that can spread. So at some point when somebody new comes into the room and asks the same question, like, hey, you know, what should I do against back pain? Everybody's going to point to the same guy. So this mm -hmm. this guy knows exactly what he's talking about. And by the way, he's a chiropractor. Now, imagine that Google is a room, mm -hmm. you know, and they're hosting this whole dialogue going on. Then sites that point to you as the expert for a specific problem, um, when they're pointing to you, they're sending you a link. So they're mentioning you in their stories or anecdotes about uh, back pain. And uh, so sites pointing to you is what helps you uh, be the answer to a, to a question. So I'm not, not sure if that was too vague. Oh uh, No, that's a good analogy. I know yeah. what, what happened when Google even came into existence was they decided they were going to be the, the first search engine to really focus on signals that were off the website. Uh, back in the day, and uh, Larry Page created his little algorithm called PageRank, which doesn't mean you know where you rank in the search results, but it's just how they measure those links you're talking about and the quality and quantity of them that play into whether a site's going to rank in their search results. So it's yeah, it's a trust signal for sure for search engines. And um, back, it's it's been like this roller coaster, but back in the earlier days of search, uh, we could do some crazy things to get a page to rank. Um, then Google came out and started really focusing on off-page signals. There was an all-out war, 2009 to 2000, 
I don't know, probably 2012, <laughs> where the whole world went nuts doing link building. And uh, we would do everything and anything. We would do three-way link partners. We would do blog and ping where our RSS feed would be blasted all over the internet and sites that consumed RSS feeds that, that actually rendered HTML would immediately be linking back to us you know, through that feed. We would do um, link networks and link clubs and there were um, link software that we would use called SE. Where was I? I wish I was doing SEO back then. <laughs> oh my God, it was so easy, but it was the same time. It was the wild west of, of links. That's why so many blogs have stupid Viagra links everywhere in them, right? But, um, and I remember, do you remember what year that the, the Google Penguin algorithm update happened? Uh, I'm really bad with that stuff. It was, it was April 23rd of 2012. And oh. It was a it was a blow to the um, you know to the whole SEO community who had been focusing all of their energy you know on trying to um, trying to outlink everybody because now Google was was looking at these links and saying you've got thousands of links on pages that don't have links themselves or the links themselves are from pages that don't have links themselves so you know we we really want to make sure that we're looking at links at the page level not the site level. And we're going to evaluate those links based on three criteria. You know, one is going to be, does the page have links of its own or does it earn them over time to make that, that link valuable? Um, does that link actually send referring traffic? Right. And, and we, and we know that because we're crawling these pages and we're seeing how often people are mentioning them. Um, and, you know, does this really help build brand authority by being on a site that generates lots of traffic, even if it's not sending referral traffic through, you know, they look at those different signals. And, and so basically 99% of all the links that people were building up until 2012 purposefully building, you know, were like nullified. And then we got ethical, we became white hat SEOs, a lot of black hats moved into um, affiliate marketing and conversion funnels and all these other areas of digital marketing, they gave up. And that's white hats, you know, we, we stuck together, we, we improved our, our content, we increased our font sizes and added unique images and um, hired amazing people like you to help us do some <laughs> outreach to get other sites to reference us. We built processes to uh, enable, you know, marketers to have an actual strategy. You know, our, our strategy was, you know, um, let's get them to reference something on our site that we built that was amazing or let's cross promote together in a way that eventually culminates into us, you know, getting a, a link to something really important on our website. Let's, let's contribute, let's do something, let's build an infographic or, or, you know, create some images or some photos exclusively for this website, a watch luxury watch site we work with, you know, uh, donate some very expensive images that they take on site to these big watch magazine sites. And oh, they, that's a great idea. Uh -huh. um, and then lastly, which is sort of the red flag, is sponsorship right is, is trying to sponsor things that are in your industry and sponsor you know uh, the the community and charities you know all of those things you know do get links back to the website but sort of kind of could be looked at as buying links which is you know is like a big red flag so yeah. i think building those approach types you know and 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 just trying to get better and better and better at it which you've done in the last six years you know is, is really the the key element when i look at link building it's it's how do we how do we generate content that attracts links on its own? And um, uh, and of course, um, how do we how do we continue to build and earn more links without having to violate Google guidelines? So yeah, I'm I'm not so I I don't see Google as an ethical authority. So I'm not um, 
I'm not basically against black, black hats and link building, sure. but it's, I don't get it. I just don't, for yeah, me, I it's way more simple. Those black hats before, I, I know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's just way more simple to do. I, I don't like using tricks. It yeah. just, when you lie about stuff, when it's not straightforward, sure. you have to remember so many things and you also always have to look over your back, you know, if, if Google's catching up or whatever. So that's, for me, it's just way more simple and um, also less risky, I think. Um, and if you're doing this for a company, they're counting on you to um, protect their interest, right? Mm -hmm. So if you if you do, if you have, if it was my own site, I would be way more open to a lot of experimenting and see how this works and how that works. But with a client- Affiliate website. Affiliate website's almost like a, it's almost like a playground for doing gray and, and black hat because there's no yeah. command, right? And even though yeah. brand is such an important thing, you can still you can still goof around a little bit more with affiliate sites. Yeah, you you probably you have a lot of big brands have clients, so you know that they also have affiliate sites or satellite sites, mm -hmm. or they buy affiliate sites and change them into satellite sites, and uh, and they like playing around with that too. But as soon as it starts affecting their the main site, they're just like, whoop, now I can turn it off, you know? <laughs> Not always. But <laughs> All right, next question for you. And this, these are some of these, the ones we came up with, and some of these we asked people who just could not wait to ask you a question. Um, you talk about the human approach uh, versus automation in some of your link building pursuits. Can you explain that to our listeners? Yeah, so there's a couple of uh, sides to that. So one of um, link builders, well, SEOs are, are very focused on systemizing, you know, optimizing a process. Yep. And they're so obsessed. Sorry? That sounds familiar. Yes, no, it, and it's cool. You get you can get a lot of stuff done. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to link building, especially like with the white hat stuff, you have to you're you're dependent on the editor's goodwill. Right. And uh, but the SEOs don't want to deal with the editor because it's a it's a human interaction. It takes time, you know, and also t it has the risk of being rejected, which is not a nice feeling and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they scale up the process, they systemize it, and they scale scale it up, and then they can automatize it, and they don't have to deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. And um, if you scale it up, you can send out hundreds of thousands of emails, and you can get that link. You will get that link in any case, right. but in, if you want to increase your conversion rate, instead of sending out 100,000 emails, you have to focus on the more personal side of things. You have to make a connection with an editor. And that's what I mean with the human side of it, that, that you, you, make, you focus on having the personal connection. It doesn't have to mean building a relationship because it's just, it's a quick thing. It's like a stand-up comedian, you know, they're telling a joke. They have to connect with all these people in the, in the audience real fast and nobody, they don't know each other. But anyway, instead of scaling up and automatizing, I like to focus on increasing conversion rate. And you do that by uh, being personable. The other side of it is that um, if you sound like a business, which is the corporate side of it, it's not automatizing, but sounding like a business, yeah. editor feels that there's a gain for you in it. Mm. And it becomes a very transactional conversation. So, okay, I'm gonna do this for you, but they, for me, yeah, pay right. me or give me something else of value. I'm not going to do this for your pretty face or your or whatever, you know. Sure. But if you're if you don't sound like a like a business, but you sound like a person, they'd be like, oh, that was a really funny joke you said, or 
or that last cat meme, it really got me, you know, here, go ahead. I'll give you a try. That's and amazing. I remember doing some link building uh, for Skechers, Skechers USA, several oh, years and we um, we were trying to, it's actually Nate Dame and I were, were tag teaming on this one back in the day. Um, and uh, we were trying to go after fashion bloggers and fitness bloggers. And Ooh. we could offer free shoes, you know, if, if they were willing to share. We were trying to promote Kim Kardashian's uh, Skechers commercial. And um, so we did all this outreach and, you know, the incentive was, you know, hey, this, this special new shoe that's going to be promoted in the Super Bowl, um, if you're willing to talk about it and, you know, and um, and share it on your blog. We'll send you a free pair. Um, and yeah, it was it was interesting because the fitness bloggers were, and, and we had to do personal. We couldn't just blast out an email like you're saying because these, yeah. these bloggers have a blog specifically to try to generate revenue from it. And yeah. the fitness bloggers were great. Like, yeah, I'd love to try out the running shoes. And um, the response rates were fantastic. We we gave away somewhere I felt like somewhere close to a hundred different pairs of shoes to to different fitness bloggers. The fashion bloggers, on the other hand. They responded to us like they felt like they were God's gift to the internet. Half of them, <laughs> half of them didn't even have contact information available anywhere. You could who is uh, all you wanted to, and you would not be able to reach them like they were some sort of celebrity. And um, you know, we decided at that point that we'd never do anything with fashion bloggers again. Google <laughs> so maniacal and just oh, it was awful. I hope it's changed. I hope influencer marketing, you know, has has helped evolve. Um, you know, the conversations that are happening between people that would love to, um, you know, to work with them. But, um, but yeah, that was, that was something I'd never go back to. And that was one that, you know, um, no amount of human approach <laughs> I could have tried to solve for, but, uh, but that's interesting. And yeah, I know, I know when we, we were, we were working together a while back too, and, and uh, you gave some amazing advice to one of our okay. team members. And uh, I remember every day she'd say, Hey, I sent 30 emails today. And I was like, 30 emails, that doesn't seem like very much because it's a lot of, to me, it was always like a lot of copy paste. And I looked at her emails and she was personalizing every single one. And her response rate was, it was tenfold. It felt like, you know, for every, you know, 10 emails that she sent, she got, you know, two or three responses where when she was sending a, a little bit more at a higher rate of, you know, hey, check out this great article we did. We'd love to get your opinion on it or whatever. Um, maybe one in 200 would respond. So that response yeah. rate, you know, it's, I mean, it's worth it. You're just, you're burning so many potential opportunities by just blasting emails instead of just taking the time to say, Hey, how's it going? I love your website. And they go, okay, like your website too. Well, who are you? Right. And then all of a sudden now you have a conversation going. So um, yeah, it also reminded me of, um, uh, when I just started, I, I posted, I was in this blogger group and I posted the question, like, why do you hate link builders so much? <laughs> and I thought they would say, oh, they're spammy or they're this or whatever. But the first thing they said is they didn't look at my website. And that they, they just that annoyed them so much that somebody would reach out to them and say, oh, I love your blog. And it was just, they knew. I don't have a blog. Yeah. I don't have a blog. It's not, people think, uh, how do I say it? People assume the worst of the prospects. They think, oh, they're just in it for their own interest or whatever. And in, maybe in some cases it's like that. But in a lot of cases, it's just paying a little bit more of attention, you know, mm -hmm. just a tiny bit more. Yeah. I do I do get some email requests from people who just say, I'd love to contribute to your blog, right? Uh, tell me what you'd like me to write about. And I don't know, I feel like it's so impersonal and burned out that they could have spent a little bit more time looking at a specific page that they found yeah. interesting and, and said, 
said something like, hey, we'd love to do some research or we've done some research and would love to contribute some of that exclusively to this page, um, you know, because we found this page to be really helpful. And depending on, you know, where the link was pointing and, and whether they were, you know, sort of demanding what should be in the link itself, um, you know, we'd, we'd actually entertain some of them. So if, if it was a, a site that we felt was helpful, like if Brian Dean reached out and said, you know, hey, we did this cool link building study that aligns with your link building study uh, that you haven't updated in four years, you know, of course we'd say, hey, if you wanna see an updated version of, of a link building study, here's Brian Dean's. And that would be something we'd totally do, but it's, you're right, it's never, it's never personalized enough for a specific page topic or with an example. My, my brain immediately thinks, you're going to try to link to some website that has low authority, that has other crappy websites that are linking to them that's going to make my link look bad in Google's eyes or that I'm part of their link network. And I don't know, it's just scary. You know, one of the questions that we did have that I think we just answered was uh, recommendations for getting higher response rates. I think that humanizing approach is is for sure the way. But what have you what else have you seen in terms of? of yeah. Or approach types is it all about the the subject line what's what's the, yes. what's the <laughs> so there's a couple of things because I, I can imagine that um you know the, the type of emails that we spoke about are bespoke emails yeah. and those are really hard to do and uh, the the conversion rate is still really high but i can imagine that you know you don't have the headspace for it to come up with it so what i do use templates um but we do segmenting and theming Okay. So we segment the prospect list very narrow. So for instance, if you're targeting people in the music industry, mm -hmm. you make lists that only talk about a specific type of music or that are focused on a type of music. So for instance, hip hop or EDM or whatever. Yeah. And then um, the, for the subject line, for instance, this is the theming part. Mm -hmm. You can use a lyric within that micro niche that's very popular you know right. i did one that was like um, as your subject line yeah as your subject line but i did I, I did a twist so i did i think it was for hip-hop i did um i've got 99 problems but a lockdown ain't one nice from, uh, this guy I, i'm really bad with who that was from but but he's, he said something else um but and then then the whole email was themed in hip-hop stuff and not not in a not in a oh look at me be cool but a little bit cheesy right make but them it, laugh. yeah make them laugh you know and um, so that's the segmenting is making your prospect list very targeted mm -hmm. and that way you can theme your email uh, specifically for that micro niche and that right. will really help but the subject line is very important so I always try to use a subject line that um, will intrigue intrigue a person to open. Right. Uh, so it has to be uh, specific for that niche but there's another way you can also do it I call it the negative trigger it's when you okay. let's say you you reach out to health bloggers or foodies right or health foodie something they always have a smoothie recipe everyone has smoothie recipe so the negative trigger in the subject line was I tried your smoothie and it was horrible <laughs> you know and it's it's but in and the one side it proves that you looked at their site you didn't but it, it shows that you actually looked at their site and you tried one of the recipes but on the other hand it makes them open the email because they're like what do you how Offended. how does my smoothie not taste good i want to know why this is and then of course with the email you kind of have to save it and make it charming and engaging sure. that's awesome so you spin yeah. it using yeah that's that's interesting 
I know, I know when I was trying to do a little bit of outreach to clean up some, some, what we, we refer to as like toxic links from spammy things that competitors do to try to hurt us. Oh. Um, I would, I would reach out with, with a subject line of something, something that says your page and mine are being penalized. Right? <laughs> Even though I don't know that they are, but you know it's possible that they are, and eventually they probably will be. They open it up because they're like, "Wait a minute, what?" Right? Um, yeah, and, exactly. And it is a little bit of a negative, but at the same time, it's it's also something that could be probable. So it it gets their attention because no no one wants their page penalized by Google. No. You know, if they got hacked and they have a link pointing to one of our clients, you know, you you have to you have to get them to respond one because you want to get the IP address so you can try to source it, and two, you just I think, I don't know how much it is for your team, but uh, at least 10 to 15% of our team for lawyer clients and, and HVAC companies and plumbers, 15% is spent cleaning up bad links that competitors are, are doing to try to you know harm the website. Even though Google says they ignore it, um, if they ignored it, then rankings wouldn't shift when those behaviors start. So uh, when we see those patterns and, and rankings start to go down, we know Google's not ignoring them. And so we'll We'll actually start an initiative, and now, ten to fifteen percent of that link builder's job is just to clean up links and outreach. Yeah. It was, it's the art of of getting that response rate. <laughs> so I, I haven't done that for a client, but I'm thinking Lucky. that. Yeah. I, no, no, maybe I should. <laughs> trying to clean up links, it was a nightmare. Yeah, I think I'll probably would because uh, I do have a cl um, a friend that does link detox, so I would probably get him involved with that. I'm not sure if I would, I like, I like building links. I don't think I like. Yeah. Right. I, I, <laughs> there's um there's a great article on Moz for anyone who does detect that their site was, um, was being attacked by links that have keywords in them. Um, on the Moz blog, it's a, it's a gentleman named Lewis Sellers and he's got a really great article on how to, how to identify all of the links that are, that are pointing to you, how to start up, you know, a tracker so that you can go through them all kind of one by one. Um, and then how to submit them to to Google and basically say, hey, this these aren't links we built, you know, and having it disavowed. Um, okay, I will read that one. Can you put it in the show notes? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's by Lewis Sellers. Yeah. It's on the Moz blog, and it's uh, uh, Ultimate Link Cleanup Guide or Ultimate Guide oh. to Link Removal. Yeah, I'll put it yeah, in there. I also started using uh, link research tools. Yes. It's such Christopher a big Kemper. We we actually were talking January twenty seventh. So oh really nice, yeah, yeah. The thing is, it's it's so it's such so much information, and I really have to uh, get educated more by Christopher because of uh, Christopher because it's it's too much information. So I really need to get some uh, workshop where <laughs> I know how to how to really use the tool. Yeah, I can't so wait you, to use it. Um, no, no, but when we uh, he had a, an offer going out, I think it was like a holiday thing. And I'm like, oh, I'd love to talk to Chris. So I, I set one up just to, and I randomly chose one of our clients just to have an excuse to get a chance to pick his brain for a little while. But yeah, it'll be interesting when we, uh, we get to chat. Yeah, because I, I had, for instance, I had a link, uh, a site that I thought was bad, but then LRT said the tool said it was good. So I got really confused by it. So interesting. Yeah. I'll have to ask him. Um, what are some creative ideas for link building, uh, especially for? tough industries like you know you you helped us with an attorney that we we're trying to earn some links for what are what are some of your your best creative ideas for link building yeah so the lawyer i've done lawyer stuff but more for uh, mass retort cases uh, so those were 
um, this was against big brands. And I think the outreach helped because um, it was about a health risk or something like that. Mm. So I think for, um, but I don't have a whole lot of experience with the lawyer niche. Sure. Um, but as far as creative link building goes, I, here's the thing. It's, I think it's more important to really do your research first about, for instance, proven content. So what's already getting a lot of links, but also what specific questions do people have? Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be this epic, uh, interactive infographic necessarily. Sometimes it can be just like a simple lookup table or, you know, if you're, if a lot of people are redecorating their bathroom tiles and they want to see what kind of tile patterns there are, for instance. So why not create something that shows all these bathroom patterns, you know, that that you can choose from or whatever. Uh, They approach free tools for things that are relevant to your industry. Yeah, but you have to do the research first. I don't think, I think a lot of people, they they start brainstorming and they think from their own perspective and they come up with something that maybe costs a lot of money to make or whatever, yeah. or a lot of time and then they make it and nothing happens because they didn't actually research what people are looking for. Yeah, we use, uh, what is it, Answer the Public? Answer yes. The public, and they have a pro version of it too that's really good. But the challenge is that you don't get the the metrics. So a lot of times we'll have to, Export, excuse me, export our our list from Answer the Public and drop it into the Google Keyword Planner. Um, there's also a really good tool in SEMrush. Um, it's it's their Keyword Magic tool, and you could toggle to just questions and see that. Yeah, and even Ahrefs as well. Answer. Questions, sorry. Mm-hmm. In Ahrefs, you have questions as well with the search volume. Does SEMrush have search volume with it? Or- yes. Awesome. I also have SEMrush, so I'm going to Either of them are it's fun to play with is answer the public. I really wish that tool would would pull in some metrics, but that's okay. But yeah, that's that's interesting because then you can you can solve problems. You know, and I think I think one of the the tricks there too, if you're going to just, you know, produce another how-to, because there's gonna be thousands of them out that you're competing against, is to pull data. If you're a brand and you've got data for for answering that question and you can provide, provide percentages and charts. People will reference that because they're trying to prove something in their article, and they'll reference yours if there's charts, graphs, or or real yeah. data. We did that with um, uh, with public storage. One of the things that we we were able to do is extract number of storage units uh, available and and storage trends and things that were happening in those cities, and then put that data into you know the actual content at the city level. And we were able to generate more traffic because we had more unique content that only we had because it was from you know the actual customer database. So that was that was a neat way. We we did one article, um, our how important are Yelp reviews? You know we got this gotten this little argument with our our sales rep over at Yelp about the importance of of Yelp reviews, and oh. so we did a study and we actually went to Mechanical Turk and we you know we only asked those folks who were active Yelp users you know for their opinion their feedback and we put charts and graphs and male versus female and uh, percentage of you know, reasons you use Yelp, reviews, community, um, to look for businesses, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, and it proved that 60% or more people were looking, were using Yelp specifically for reviews. The segue, of course, to convincing Yelp to unleash their policy or remove their policy on asking for reviews. You know, it's like, hey, let's, let's figure out some way to convince people 
and and you know build up enough of a business case so that we can actually say hey if, if you had a good experience review us on yelp even though it's completely contradictory to their business model but um but yeah that that seemed to work and the other fun one that i remember doing was um with public storage we were able to come up with some really fun videos we got some film yeah. students and we got a green screen we we got a delorean and and uh this college uh, student who's in film who's just hilarious, super nice, really funny. And we did how to store a car for the winter and how to um, move a refrigerator and store a refrigerator, how to pack glassware. <laughs> and each page, because we dedicated it to a page, each page yeah. had the video front and center. It had a downloadable PDF that you could use to actually have the checklist to use when you are moving or storing or whatever it is that you're doing. And then it had the context with the H2s that emphasized the keywords that were around that. So it, it drove organic traffic. It created rich results with the video thumbnail being in the search results. And it attracted links because people found those videos to be hilarious. So that was, I think, my my favorite fun, um, you know, creative idea. What, what was one of your favorites? Uh, so one of my favorites was one that I didn't think of myself. I kind of coined the topic to a client. I said, you have to do something with piss. And something okay. with male versus female. Uh oh, uh, oh yeah, controversy. Yeah, it's either, so yeah, it's either, it's either humor, uh, controversy, or or um, uh, sexiness. Right? Those are the, kind of the three big. Yeah, so something yeah. like that. So yeah. what they did was uh, they um, looked into how men, the position that men take when they're peeing, when they're standing. Oh my god! And yes, and how they thought how clean that was, like the splatter if it was uh, uh, just going in the, okay. in the bowl or whatever. And they filmed it with the UV light. Oh my and God. Uh, the video shows that while a guy might think that he's being very tidy, the urine goes all the way up the walls everywhere. Oh but you just don't realize it. And so they did a little bit of uh, surveys and, and research into it well. So it had some, some numbers. Well, that just went viral. I think the video is viewed i think three million times or something on youtube uh, and it was mentioned on those lad bible you know those kind of sites yeah. and men's sites and the women's sites and so that was one of my favorite ones but mean, I, right? I didn't do the execution i just said do something with piss <laughs> and that's what they did it worked really well Epic. oh my god if it go viral like that that's that's amazing yeah you should look it up but um but the other things that that so this this did uh, take some effort, you know, to film it and everything. But the, the links that I got quite easily was with just compiling data that was out there, putting it into one article. Because sometimes data is everywhere. Right. Uh, how do you say dispersed? Yeah. So if somebody wants one uh, article where it's all collected, then it's then you can win a lot of links uh, naturally. Yep. just earn them but you can only do it if your domain is strong and if you're already kind of ranking for related uh keywords. yeah because you're already going to get traffic and then those people who do see it are going to share it I, I did find um by the way when, we, when you're doing that research i did find an interesting uh technique that seemed to build the page's authority if you're doing um i don't know we're talking about lawyers if, if you're doing um, a topic such as car accident if you do a search operator in google and you type in site colon dot um, edu and then space and then put car accident in quotes yeah you can actually find some authoritative documents on college websites to reference and, and and quote so that way you've got some external links pointing to authoritative content and then switch the dot edu 
to .gov and grab five uh, references to those .gov sites. So you've got 10 total outbound links on the page, which isn't bleeding page rank, but instead referencing some really trustworthy content on .gov and .edu uh, domains. I found every time we did that, I found those pages ranked significantly higher simply because we're linking to five .gov and five .u references around that subject matter. So wow, that's yeah, it was a really neat thing to do. And sometimes when you do that, you can actually reach back out to the school after the article's done, and they'll say, "Hey, to, for further reading, uh, check out this article because it's um, it's not your your 1998 reciprocal link, right? It's a uh, it's a uh, you know really." authoritative, you know, link from two different uh, pages that talk about the same topic. So this is really good. Yeah. yeah also using the year in things can, can always help, you know, you can update it every year and then it gets links again and again and again. So, there were so next question, you ready? We yes. live in a world of spam and not the kind of spam we eat when we go to Hawaii, <laughs> but <laughs> you still have to put yourself out there and take those risks. What are the wildest or riskiest outreach techniques you've ever tried, and and did it work? <laughs> um, I'm really risk averse, so. <laughs> no, come on. I think I think one of your emails. You're not risk averse. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe not. I I think some of our subject lines got kind of creepy, flirty. So. Um, I think one of the latest we used was for a photography, big photography site, and we used a subject line that was, let's go into a dark room and see what develops together or something like that. So it was oh, really that's cool. cool. Um, that's awesome. But uh, like a pickup line. That's yeah, yeah, it was a pickup line. <laughs> but we got, it had a really high conversion rate. It was really, uh, no, really high uh, open rate and response rate. Right. Conversion rate, I can't remember, but it was good. And then the and you, other, and you risk the risk there is you get the creepers that'll come back and think you're being serious, or they'll oh. they'll, they'll take it to the next level with flirting and. Which oh yeah. Way, I, I hate to, to to derail it, but I remember us talking about this a while ago. You do a really good job uh, with autonomy, like with with making sure the people who are on your team remain anonymous. So if if and when they ever do move on to other roles, the person that they're communicating with can still keep a relationship going with you know, uh, uh, sort of a pen name. Um, yeah. That's amazing. I've never seen any anyone in the, you know, at least in, in my experience doing outreach and using, you know, a, a fictitious name like that. And at yeah. first I was like, it doesn't seem as authentic, but then I'm like, it makes sense because your team members aren't always going to be there. They're going to rotate and, you know, and, and for the privacy, especially when you get flirty like that, you know, and they start Googling you and looking you up, you know, you don't want stalkers. <laughs> so it, it makes a lot yeah. of sense to, to do it, that. It has it has been causing problems though lately because a lot of prospects want to hire the personas that I use. Oh no. And they want to go on a call. They actually offer offer year contracts and all that stuff. I'm not kidding, but lately it's been happening a lot. Maybe because it's oh, a bad thing. Well, I, I don't want to get hired. <laughs> My persona shouldn't become a writer for the yeah. for that prospect. You know, because then they it have to get like a good link building client, right? Is that what they're looking for? Is link building help? Well, actually, I did get some clients through outreach, um, but that was in a way where it was okay for me to come out, uh, you know, as as not the persona. So where people are kind of understanding it, but in other time, other times, I feel really awkward and uncomfortable because, I, yeah, I don't want to tell them that I'm actually not a real, real person, right? Um, 
That's interesting. Yeah, but uh, we've been thinking about building them out. So they do have their own websites and we want to build those sites out because uh, mm -hmm. I think that can help if they have a portfolio and sure. all that. That's awesome. Yeah. So next question, you ready? Yeah. What do you wish content writers would know, study, and understand more about link building before they dive in to writing sales and marketing pages or other content? I mean, after all, it's their pages that are, um, you know, the hopeful target of those link efforts. Yeah, it's a really good one. I think, um, so I really like it when clients have a more holistic view of the online marketing. Um, so they try to create like an SEO engine or, or online marketing engine where everybody plays a part and is connected in a way. Uh, that, does, that does take more effort for me because I have to be involved with more people in a company, but it's always good for, for results. So I think a, a, a content writer should know that when they get an article brief, it's not just for this sales department or whatever other department, it's for all the departments. Right. And when they're writing other copy, um, they have to know the goal of the, of the copy. So if it is for link building or something else, it should not have even a hint of commercial in it. Right. Uh, but I don't think it's up to the content writer. I think it's to the person, you know, giving the brief. Sure. Um, but everybody should all all work together. I really enjoy how, how Marketo does that. Marketo actually segments their content marketing on a subdomain like blog.marketo.com and all of the the creative and the assets and the and the designs that you'll see on the blog are are more about giving away free things and, yeah. and how they can you can connect with them. But if you go to marketo.com off the root domain, it's really heavy, you know, pushing you through a sales funnel. So it's it's great that not just the copy itself is void of sales content, but the the layout of the pages that they're on um, are that because you're, you're right. You're if a client says, hey, I want links to this page. And you look at the page and there's all the sales content, whether it's in the body or in the sidebar, um, you're going to have a hard time. As soon as somebody sees that page, they're thinking, hey, why would I link to a sales page? You know? Yeah, I even had that problem with a client where uh, they had a great product. Mm -hmm but all their content was about this product and it was a life-changing thing, right? So they were so proud of this, but I said, the, the people that I reach out to, they're not gonna see it that way. I mean, they're not that passionate about the product as you are, you know? So you can't expect them to link out to you. You need to have informational content that's about the pain points that are related to your product, but that shouldn't say anything about the product itself. And, um, they, did, they just didn't get it, and they were so, but they were really nice about it. So I thought, oh, okay, let's let's give it a go, you know. And then I started building the links, and it was just like it was a nightmare. Nobody wanted to link to it. Right. Really. And sometimes you have to prove a case. We've we've done that with some of our restaurant chains. We'll uh, we'll reach out and say, hey, you know what, we put this together as a test. <laughs> put it up. Let us test it. Let's see how it performs. Maybe we'll eat our words, right? And that way, there's no effort or work required on their end. You know, we just do it for them. And, you know, we, we win about 90% of the time, but uh, sometimes the client knows their brand better than we do and they beat us. But most of the time, you know, by us just delivering what it is we expect it uh, and calling it a test, you know, hey, let's, let's test ours versus yours just to see which performs better. Um, that's a little bit easier than saying, hey, this is the new permanent thing we want to do, you know. Yeah, I think I, I maybe I should have tried that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, in the end, I, I only got half of the links, 
and it, it was taking too long. So I just reimbursed the rest and uh, move on. Yeah. Then move on. Yeah. And, and, and also because it was such a nice person, you know, it was just like, I don't think this is going to work out. <laughs> yeah. Agree to disagree. Hey, I got a really good question. Yep. When we think of different media available, um, is there a type of content that excites you or that you feel particularly confident about uh, that companies should focus on more for great link building success? You know, we've got YouTube videos, infographics, podcasts, uh, con contests, local events, um, and similar in mind, and would love to hear your take. Ooh, um, of course, it depends on the niche and on the audience, you know, what they're looking for. But if we're talking about personal preference, I really like calculators. I just love them. Oh, that's <laughs> it for the attorneys. They like the settlement calculators. That's amazing. It's so nice. It's just so it's so useful for so many people. And you can update it every year and say it's updated. And then people, you know, link it again. And I've done stuff where there were already other calculators out there. And I could just compare them to each other and say, hey, you have this calculator. But this one also calculates this thing, which makes it way more accurate. So it's it's like a it's very neutral neutral thing to explain to somebody why it would be good for their audience, mm -hmm. um, and it's uh, I, I, I also think they're kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, the free tools are amazing. I I link yeah. to those all the time. In fact, my my homepage I create my homepage through Smartsheets, and my homepage has a whole section of tools that I use, and I'd say half of them are similar. They're like little calculators or preview tools, how your listing will look in search, things like that. So. Um, I think it's a it's a great idea if you're even if you're a plumber, you could provide a resource, you know, to uh, to help people understand, you know, the the source of the problem or to calculate what the cost would be to have somebody come out, you know, and little things like that that um, that others would link to on their sites just so that they don't have to reproduce it. You know? Yeah, and, and and you can use it in almost every niche, you know, boring niches, exciting niches. It doesn't really matter. Just think of something that could save somebody time or money and uh, slap a calculator on it. <laughs> I get I get this question a lot. Yeah. How about leveraging social media for links? What part, um, I don't know, what part do platforms like LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter play in your link, link building strategies? And I have to tell you, when we talked to Rand Fishkin, he actually clued us in on some interesting things happening with Twitter and how Twitter can actually be a viable place to, you know, to, to sort of build some authority, even though I know there are no follow links. Um, so for you, um, what about leveraging social media? Um, I've never done Twitter or Facebook or, or any of the other stuff for link building. I was a social media marketer, so I, right. I know that it works really well. Okay. I do think that it's part of it, you know, as a signal. Uh, but one platform that I really like is Pinterest because it's a, a collection of blog articles, basically. Right. And once you turn Pinterest on, and something works well, you know, when you pin something and it works well, other people do the work for you. So just like reshares right. on Facebook or retweets on Twitter, um, those work re really well as well. But for some reason with Pinterest, I feel like it's it's exponentially spreading mm -hmm. way faster because people put it on boards and other people are following those boards and that. The, those people on those people put it on boards and it just keeps going you know uh, really old articles get rehashed all the time on pinterest yeah and it brings a lot of traffic that's not dependent on google so that's great yeah, um, you can organize them into boards and and really yeah. Profile. yeah so you have this this uh 
app that's called Tailwind app. Okay. And it has a little bit of a price. So the only people that use it for Pinterest are the people that already have money to invest in their Pinterest marketing. So they're already, they're already power pinners. And then you have things. It's a no-brainer for e-com, I'm sure, for e-commerce websites. Yeah, definitely. And then, but there, uh, but you are in tribes, so you have tribes of power pinners around a specific niche or topic. So health bloggers, or or mommy bloggers, or um, uh, car bloggers, or whatever. And you put uh, it's a re reciprocal. So you put uh, you repin their stuff in a tribe and they repin your stuff. And if one of those people has a really wide reach, they only have to repin it once and it gets everywhere. And when I was doing affiliate sites, one of the sites I built was only getting Pinterest traffic. Okay. In the beginning, I, was, I wasn't doing any anything for SEO. Just Pinterest. Um, and then just the organic traffic started to build up by itself. And I have no idea. How to, I mean, I don't know if it started ranking or if somehow through Pinterest, the organic traffic started coming in. I don't know, but it was, I, I think Pinterest would be really something to try. We, we tell our clients that uh, building a lot of this marketing content, if, if for no other reason, is to build their reach, you know, and, and to promote their, their YouTube and their Facebooks, because if they can get more people subscribed and following them, when they do share content, it's seen by a larger volume of people. And if you have 100,000 people following you, it's a much higher probability of one or two of those 100,000 people um, having their own sites and linking and sharing the content itself from their site. So it's yeah. like the more reach you have, the more of a chance you have of somebody just naturally linking you know, to the main target content. So. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a ripple effect or, or indirect effect as that as well. Also with the uh, Tailwind, for instance, um, uh, you can also message people in Tailwind. So you could message all those people for links. Yep. And a lot of people that are in Tailwind, they're also on a Mediafine platform. So that's, a, that's an ad platform, mm -hmm. Mediafine and Medianet. And those people are organized on Facebook in groups. So right. again, you have a network there uh, for link building. But you have to be a little bit careful about it because you can't come out and say, hey. <laughs> but one, one yeah, thing... So one thing that Mediavine bloggers do, they they uh, prepare ahead for the season. So it's Christmas, but they start in September. They start prepping for Christmas. Yeah. And what they really love to do is round up articles. And of course, if all your link building is based on round up articles or, you know, it's it's not a good thing, but. Uh, I'm in those roundups all the time. I love it. Yeah. But, you know, so, but yeah, I would definitely do it. So they ask for recipes for the fall or, or Christmas pudding recipes. And then uh, 20 people, they put in their recipes and you get a link, you know, that's it. And that's just in those uh, groups. It's an easy, easy way to, to drop one in for sure. Well, I know yeah. we're getting short on time. Should we go through our lightning round of questions and see oh what my we God. Do in six minutes or less? <laughs> Here we go, Are you ready? What are your top three favorite SEO tools? Pitchbox, uh -huh. Hrefs, SEO ruler. SEO ruler. I haven't heard of that one. I know yeah, I've heard of, but it's a free tool. They used to have a web uh, extension, a Chrome extension, but they now have a desktop. I, I really like the Chrome extension. It scrapes the SERPs for people also ask, for instance, it scrapes those with a bot. And uh, it also scrapes, um, you know, those articles where you have blog lists, it scrapes right. those. 
or the SERPs uh, uh, also up to 100. That is super cool. I got to check that out. Yeah, Who should we be following on social media? Aside from BB, the link builder, <laughs> which by the way, you're the only one I know of that actually includes their title in their name, which is amazing. It's like, I, I've heard of like, you know, Joey, the squirrel and, you know, Vinny, the fish and whatever, but now we've got BB, the link builder, which is amazing. So now I have to come up with a name for myself because just Steve is the boringest thing ever. You know, SEO Steve. Oh, that was 10 years ago. You know, yeah. <laughs> what was the question again? Oh, social media. Yeah. Who should we be following? Um, I like Carrie Rose a lot. She does PR link building. Have yeah. you heard of her? No, no. She's really great. She does. Uh, she, she grew to a 2 million company in a year or something. Wow. And yeah, and she does stuff for misguided Nintendo, all that stuff. And she's very cheeky and bold <laughs> and crazy. And I love that about her. Very cool. Um, who else? Oh my God, I drew a total blank there. Well, here's here's another question. What, what SEO myth should, uh, or do you see that still drives you crazy? Oh, um, skyscraper yeah okay yeah <laughs> well What's maybe not skyscraper but like the skyscraper what do you what did you say sorry it's what's one seo myth that you see that still drives you oh, crazy? Myth. oh sorry uh a myth is that you have to pay for all your links oh okay yeah yeah you're right yeah we've, we've been earning paying. links for years without having to put money into it yeah. yeah i'm not against paying but it's not true that you have to pay for all of them yep all right let's do one more what is, and this is a good one for you, what is your best link building technique? Uh, puns and dad jokes in guest post outreach. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> I don't even think of that. That's so funny. I've got so many of those too as, as a dad. I've, I've got a whole uh, list. That's it's amazing. so great because you don't have to be funny. <laughs> even if you're not, people are going to laugh because it's so bad. <laughs> It's just like, I got to see who this is. That's it's, so epic. it's very disarming to have a very cheesy dad joke. And I even, in some of my emails, I even write padumts, you know, to even make I it actually work. write it out. You're right. That's so funny. Yes, I write it out. Well, <laughs> Bimi, we, we have to wrap up the show for today, but I did want to make sure in our little video that we point people to where they can learn more about you at bbbuzz.com. Where can we find on there? Should we be worried about... Uh, you know, what kind of uh, there's no content <laughs> there are no links to it um there's a service page which will scare you because it, it it's uh, it describes my complete process and pricing oh. and stuff but other than that it's oh wait i've used three different uh content builders behind it so don't look behind it how it's built oh, up no. it's, it's like wordpress and squarespace all rolled into one or something yes exactly so so when I change something now in a text, everything goes black, from <laughs> black to white. It's the worst business card for a link builder or SEO out there. <laughs> yeah, don't look at myself. This, this has been so much fun, baby. We definitely have to do this again. Maybe we'll pick an industry and we'll actually come up with like a, a whole link building strategy for an industry. Oh, I love fun. that. I think that'd be super cool to do. And um, thanks for taking time today. I know, I know you've got a busy schedule and a billion emails to be be sending out. And um, I just really appreciate your time today. And hopefully, everybody who is listening, um, you know, also en enjoyed all the the tips and tricks. And you can go to bbbuzz.com if you want to 
talk to BB about something you're doing to get links to your website to help boost your keyword rankings. And um, and we'll call that a wrap. Yeah, and follow Steve on Instagram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> baby. Bye. Thank you. Bye.